In the Kengen matches, there was a man they called the Ashura. That man has just entered a long slumber. <clears throat> He's talking about a homeless man with heart problems. He's what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> You really don't want any. <sighs> Sorry. I kind of lost my appetite. Well, that's too bad. But seriously, what a body this man has. From an aesthetic standpoint, he's at the highest level. In fact, he's just like an ancient Greek statue. What am I thinking? Did I get out of that persuasion? Not at all. to the hyperfixation where my friends tell me about things that excite them for 30 to 45 minutes so I can acquire an approximate knowledge of many things. My name is Roma. I use the they and them pronouns. And this is episode one of season two of the hyperfixation. I am so hype. And I am joined today. Joined, joined, joined today. Oh, we are off to a great start for season two. <laughs> I'm joined today by Theo. Hello, my name is Theo, pronouns are he, him, and I am ecstatic to be the high bar that everyone else will have to conquer to continue season two. <laughs> Absolutely. You are you are the, the king of the mountain. Yeah, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the man to beat. I'm gonna be the gatekeeper for the rest of season two. You can just record episodes and just be like, wasn't as good as Theo's, I'm canceling. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing all of this in the recycling bin. <laughs> I'm going to get an email from Andrew and Riley that's like, hey, you know, season one, great. Season two, like, you bombed uh, after that. Like, sorry. <laughs> you started too high. Like, you know, Theo, Theo was, was the best thing you've ever done. <laughs> but no, seriously, I'm happy to be on here and talking about... Uh, there's like a f only a few things that I feel like I can truly talk on as a hyperfixation, either because I don't love it enough to like treat it as a hyperfixation or it's something that everyone fucking loves and you could get like 90 other people to come on the show and talk about uh but so i'm bringing one of the few things i have to the table that satisfies both of those requirements uh and that is the anime slash manga kengen ashra and its follow-up kengen omega oh yeah there's another one <laughs> Yes. Uh, so Ken. So the entire series is like Kengen. That's just uh, it means literally fist eye, uh, which has plot relevance. Um, <laughs> it is not instructions. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, this is. Uh, so I can give some background for this series. Uh, and hilariously. Oh wait, wait, wait! Before we get there, before I let you jump into that, I don't have my timer on yet. Uh -oh. I gotta oh. ask you a few more questions. Who? Don't nobody know they know your name, but like, how do we know each other? Where uh, no we? <laughs> who can know a man like me i'm like the wind baby uh, <laughs> uh yeah so i think we started interacting first through the interstitial scene essentially yes because uh, i was on kingdom hearts forgotten era now forgotten eras and then on indefinite hiatus it's complicated um but you but you do hearts against balance and so like lena started following your account and we started like interacting back and forth with y'all 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got started to get more involved with Moonshot, and I was still following stuff because, God, I just love Interstitial. Interstitial's so good. Yeah, and then we started, you know, we just started interacting on Twitter, and that leads to now where, yeah, just the other evening, because we were recording for Jay's secret project. Mm-hmm. You, I was just like, God, I would love to be on the show. And you were like, come on the show, bitch. Uh, <laughs> I dare You're you. Not come my on my podcast. <laughs> now. Get over here. Um, <laughs> and that leads us to now where, yeah, I, uh, I'm here to tell you about a series that I discovered a little more than exactly two years ago. And really? has since just been stupidly obsessed with. Yes. And the you know what's ex- you know what's extremely funny for how we talk about how we first started interacting with each other? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do unironically have interstitial to thank for getting me into this series. Yeah. So how I got into this series, we're even talking about what it is. Two years ago, the week of September 16th, 2020, and I was able to pinpoint this because I found the message where we were first going on about this with me and my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to do a one-shot with a few friends of mine, and one of them said they were going to play a character named Gal Ryuki from Kengen Omega. Uh, and I was like, oh, what's this? He's like, oh, it's like the sequel series to Ken Ashra. And I'm like, oh, I remember seeing the stuff on Netflix about this series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do, you know, hours and hours of research, but I'm not doing anything else because I was unemployed at the time. Um, <laughs> I can watch, like, the first four episodes, get a sense of the tone uh, and sort of what to expect, you know, incorporate that into the show. And then I proceeded to watch all 24 episodes in, like, a day and a half. Because uh, I fell hard into this show, and then I spent like the next year on and off catching up with the manga, and it have took since your knees. yeah, and oh I have since kept up uh, religiously with Ken and Omega. Not even necessarily because it's good, but because it's great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that is, and it's it has. I think it qualifies truly as a hyperfixation because it's reached the point where I am right now writing a manuscript that is directly inspired by both it and the Yakuza series. Hey, yo, you know, I, I, I have words. I was in a very similar boat when I uh, came to a, uh, you could say an adjacent uh, intellectual property to King and Ashura. Um, when Baki came out, it was on Netflix. Yeah. And I was also just, well, I was spontaneously unemployed uh, due to just the, the company I worked for just dissolved. And uh, so I had a lot of time on my hands. And so I was drawing a lot and I happened to just binge all of Baki. <laughs> yeah. And I and Baki is definitely a good comparison to have. But there are mm-hmm. some key differences between them that I think I can oh, use to absolutely. illustrate sort of how the flavor of Ken Ashra. And so the comparison I've used, because I, I have not read any of Baki, although I've read a lot about what happens outside of what's been adapted. And I have mm-hmm. watched both of the Netflix seasons so far. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm, I'm decently familiar with Baki and I can use that as a point of comparison. And so the immediate comparison I would make is that Ken Ashra is marginally more grounded than Baki. Uh, but in a way I like. Because Baki... They say it's a martial arts anime. No, it's fucking not. No. It's Diet JoJo's. It, it is. is. It is. <laughs> it is a marginally less insane version of JoJo's. Uh, it doesn't have straight up stands and shit like that. No. But yo, when they're like, <laughs> let me put it this way: in Ken Ashra, no one stops an earthquake by punching the ground. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, Ken Ken Ashra very solidly has like a foot and a half within the upper echelons of human capability. There is some stuff that is just straight up, no one could possibly do that, and a lot of that is contained in a single character who is, without exaggeration, a cyborg. Oh, uh, okay, that's fair. But, but, yeah, otherwise it is, it's not trying to be like, 
Yo, there's nothing like, hey, yo, uh, you've been poisoned, but don't worry, you've been punched by the guy who has the opposite poison, so that cancels out now. Oh my... <laughs> there's nothing quite on that level. It's close. I keep forgetting how Buckwild Baki is because I watched it <laughs> after I watched JoJo's. But I'm also remembering, um, I believe it was Chris Hutton who said this, and this is a bad quote because my memory is shit, but it's, Baki definitely feels like it was written by a 14-year-old boy, <laughs> and uh, I love that, but like in a very dramatic way. <laughs> and, and I would say that, from my own personal perspective in terms of preference, that Kengen is written by his slightly cooler 16-year-old brother. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... And one of the key differences between them, I'll actually, uh, I'll actually highlight. And I think this is a good segue into describing what it's actually about. Uh, is that Baki is obviously from the perspective of Baki Hanma, the the titular martial artist character. That is the perspective character. Mm -hmm. uh, that is not the case in Kengen Ashura, because in this case, Ashura uh, refers to the eventual epithet of the main fighter character, who is the martial artist known as Oma Tokita. But he's not the point of view character. The point of view character is a Japanese salaryman by the name of. Kazuo Yamashita, who is just this loser in his, like, mid to late 50s. Uh, his wife left him years ago. He's got one son at home who's a recluse and another son who's just a teenage delinquent. Uh, and the story cuts in on Kazuo Yamashita. One day, you know, he's walking from home. He's walking home from the office. He's he had to stick around late to get some work done. Uh, and he happens to pass by an alleyway when he sees two guys walking down, clearly about to have a fight. And he just decides he's going to stick around. He's going to watch the fight. And he watches the fight. And the one dude, surprisingly the smaller dude, uh, ends up kicking the other dude's ass effortlessly. Hey, yo. And Kazuo Yamashita sees this. And he's like, oh, my God. This was so incredible. It's activated my flight or flight response. And I need to bust a nut now. Um, oh, my God. And so he proceeds to do that. And that is the first chapter. Uh. Uh, cut to a week later. He's in the office, he's getting chewed out by his manager. When that when his manager's manager comes down and goes like, Hey, uh Yamashita, the boss of the company that owns our company wants to talk to you. Oh. So basic Jeff Bezos wants to talk to you. <laughs> Father Bezos is calling. <laughs> basically, like it's equivalent <laughs> hierarchy. It's not just the CEO of their company, it's like the chairman of the company that owns their company. Uh so he goes to talk with this dude, Nogi. And Nogi's like, hey, what's up, Yamashita? <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm smoking a cigar. Anyway, uh, I'm going to have to drop some knowledge on you. For the past few centuries, Japanese businessmen have been settling conflicts by just employing big buff dudes to beat the shit out of each other until we say stop. Anyway, I've got one of these matches uh, this Friday. The dude, you're going to manage this dude until then. And Kazuo Yamashita turns around, and it's the guy he saw beat the other dude's ass. Introducing hey. Oma Tokita, the homeless man with heart problems I mentioned. What? <laughs> and so, yeah, a couple fights happen. Some crazy bullshit happens. And uh, then it turns out Nogi has been actually using these fights to get enough like agreement signatures, enough signatures to essentially call a tournament so that he can win the tournament and then become the new guy in charge of the association that organizes all these fights, a.k.a. the Kengen Association. So mm -hmm. he calls the Kengen Annihilation Tournament. Yo. Which, first off, is one of the most badass names of any tournament ever. And second off, is part one of the other many reasons I love Kengen Ashura is because it is a tournament arc anime that gets right to the good stuff. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are 
four episodes, not even full four episodes before the tournament actually starts. It's the end of the third episode that they call the Kengen Annihilation Tournament. And then we are fucking off to the races, baby. Ooh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that is that is the introduction to Kengen Ashura. So we enter into this... 32-man tournament consisting of these one-on-one matches, each fighter representing some big, massive company, and whoever wins gets to name the new leader of the Kengen Association. Now, oh we've got Lord. a lot of shit. Where do you where do you want me to take this this wild ride, Mr. Bone? We're on Mr. Bone's wild ride, but I can send it wherever I want. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover here. I am, I'm first of all, I'm kind of just blown away by that introduction story as a whole. <laughs> what there's not a lot of there's not a lot of stories that start off with a guy needing to nut in in like a in like normal <laughs> yeah, yeah Kazuo Yamashita is great he is unironically one of the best things about Kengen because one uh from a more serious perspective it's actually kind of interesting because while it's still from a very masculine perspective so you know there's a bit of a sort of yeah. male wish fulfillment going on he basically goes from being this Japanese salary man to finding a new purpose in his life in his mid fifties of like being involved with the Kengen association and like getting involved in all of this crazy bullshit. Uh, and there's something actually like kind of cool about that. Uh, unironically that, yeah, it doesn't matter that he's the sold. He has found, he has finally found the thing he is into his stuff. He's also really funny because through just a series of bullshit coincidences, he manages to accidentally convince all of these other big CEOs that he's like this dark horse candidate coming out of nowhere. Uh, Because importantly, Jeff Bezos gives him his own shell company to enter Oma in as like a separate fighter of the 32, whereas Nogi has like his own fighter he's entering in separately so he can have like multiple chances of winning the tournament. And so, yeah, Kazuo Yamashita just, like, keeps accidentally convincing people he's, like, really cool and really insightful when he's absolutely not. Like, even before the tournament starts, uh, they cast lots to, to decide who gets to pick, like, in what order they'll pick uh, where they want their fighter to be in the brackets. And he ends up getting first. Uh, once again, for plot reasons, but God, we can't keep, I can't keep, I can't explain every single thing, so just accept <laughs> plot reasons he manages to pick the lot that lets him go first. Uh, and he's like, there, you know, the fourth match down of the entire tournament, and all the other CEOs are like, ah, that was a shrewd choice. He'll keep his fighter motivated by fighting on early, but he'll get some time to analyze the other fighters. An excellent stratagem. And Kazuo was like, I just panicked, and I didn't know which one I wanted most, so I picked that one. Um, <laughs> and it's like, and later on, uh, in like the first match that Oma actually fights, he ta- he uh, encounters the other CEO of like the guy that Oma will be fighting, and he's like, "Hey, what's up? I'm the CEO of Panasonic. Don't look at it too closely. Anyway, <laughs> I hear you're new to the Kengen Association. How about we have a little wager? And if you win, I'll give you ten TVs. And if you win, or if I win, you'll have to pay me the worth of ten TVs." And Kazuo Yamashita oh is like, God. "Yeah, sure. I'm already in like a lot of other debt. Ten TVs is nothing." And the dude walks away, and another character is like. Okay, Kazuo, I should have told you this earlier, but in Kengen lingo, when these CEOs refer to their product, they're talking about percentage of ownership in their company. So you just wagered to pay this dude 10% of the shares of Panasonic if you lose. And so the other dude's like, oh my god, he accepted that wager without even shuddering. <sighs> I, sh- I fear for the power of Kazuo Yamashita. And meanwhile, Yamashita's like, oh my god, if I lose, I'm going to be in absurd amounts of debt. The past, I am, 
Oh my god, my face! You, sh I wish you could see my facial expressions right now on this audio format. But oh my lord, like this has been a fucking like a like a I, I the the roller coaster. I feel yeah. for this man. <laughs> like, and even having the match, the the opponent CEO is like, "Ha! It looks like my fighter is winning." Wait a minute. He looks up, and Kazuo Yamashita has like the scary shiny glasses, and he's smiling. He's like, "What? Why?" Why is he smiling? Am mm -hmm. I playing into his hands? And then it cuts, and it turns out behind the shiny, scary glasses, his eyes are rolling back in his head, and he's smiling because he's having a fucking panic attack. Oh my god! <laughs> he's like, oh my god, if I lose, I'm the king of death. <laughs> Me too, bro. Me too. Oh it's, my lord. So, yeah, Kazuo Yamashita alone is, like, one of the defining features between Baki and Ken Yanashira. Mm-hmm. But I think we've talked enough about Ken, uh, about Kazuo Yamashita, because now we need to get into, like, the actual fighty boy nature. I'm excited about fighty beefy boys with big tibbies. Yeah, oh, fucking, listen, the great part about Ken Ashura is getting to watch these big beefy dudes hit each other so hard they die. Oh um, my god! Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, so let, let me give you, like, a quick crash course to some of the delightful boys we encounter in this tournament. Because, take your pick, we've got a blonde twink. A serial killer, a world champion boxer and his loud boyfriend, a fisherman, a different blonde twink, the Punisher, but somehow more fascist, a gamer, oh a racist, a stoner, and yes, those are three different people, oh evil Johnny God. Bravo, a third blonde twink, and <laughs> our hero, a homeless man with heart problems. Now, I should probably explain that now that I've said it three fucking times. Yeah. So, Oma Tokita is he, when i say he's a homeless man he literally is he grew up in this like fictional unorganized unincorporated tokyo district uh and just grew up on the streets like fighting to survive eventually met this dude uh named uh nico uh yeah like matt like master nico of the nico style uh and learned the nico style which if you want to know what the nico style is uh it's basically uh magic um <laughs> uh, 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 uh and he just and he just fucking spends his time getting into fights to get stronger. Uh, he lives in this rundown house in the middle of the Japanese countryside. He doesn't give a shit about anything but eating meat and fighting. Uh, he is the delightful edgy boy, and I adore him. Mm-hmm. Is that him? <laughs> uh, he's the dude on the left. Yes, that is Oma. Oh uh, my he's goodness. Got, he's got the sort of seaweed seaweed hair, and he's big and buff. He's got uh, tibbies. He's got those tibbies. God, yeah, like, I'm looking through some of my other memes of this fucking manga, and it's so good. It's, that, that's one thing I'll need to also say. The manga has some spectacular art, courtesy of Daromeon, or Daromeon, I don't know how you exactly say it. You can just call him Daro, uh, who, that is the art, artist who works with the author, uh, which is the other thing. The author and the editor are career martial artists who do oh. take photos of themselves for reference for Daro to use. So it is, like extremely well like well represented in terms of the martial arts that are happening they did their research they absolutely did uh <laughs> so yeah now we get into like should i say i don't want to like i actually i guess this is one thing we didn't cover in the rules how much do we care about spoilers is um, that i think well because like there's some people have just gone through and done uh like just complete summaries like uh one person did a summary of the first book uh, some people have just gone over the lore of the universe or some people have gone to a point where it's like safe to be spoilery, but like the really good stuff they've kept behind the, Hey, you should go watch it. And then with ch the chainsaw man episode, I, I talked about all the things that could be, you know, you don't, 
that wouldn't spoil anything. And then I said, hey, at this timestamp, it's all spoilers past this point. Um, but that's up to you. Uh, this is this is your time to be excited about stuff. Of course, yeah. So I think first I'm going to share with you just so you can help verify some more of Daro's art. Because that's some of what I've already sent you. Uh, like that other like official Kengen Baki crossover is some of Daro's art. But this like that I've just sent you is one of my favorite panels in the entire series. Uh, just because it's these two dudes beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. Oh, because that's actually something I should also inform you. Kengen Omega, the sequel series, is currently on its second tournament and has teased the Kengen Annihilation Tournament 2. So this fucking manga slash anime is tournament arcs on top of tournament arcs. And I, listen, that shit is choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, But to actually get into the tournament arc and sort of some of the fighters in it and like how how it happens. I think I'm going to stop at spoiling like the first rounds because I do think it's worth watching uh, to be surprised because that is one thing that Yabako, the author of Kengen Ashura, really nails is a uh, big problem with a lot of tournament arcs is that they're really predictable if you kind of like sit and yeah. advance because you know, you know the hero is going to make it to the end and win. You know like his rival and or best friend is going to make it to like the semifinals and either get beaten by the hero or he's going to be beaten by the final boss character or like a final boss character. And like you know all these other dudes are like the final boss is just going to fucking mow grass through the entire entire tournament. And just in every match beforehand you pretty much get introduced to the fighters and you got a pretty good beat on who Mm -hmm. is going to win. Yabako manages to avoid that and and produces a lot of matches that are genuinely like it's really hard to predict how they're gonna turn out like sure you oma makes it to the finals like i'm not yeah kind of surprised by anyone by pointing out yeah the protagonist character makes it to the final matches but like yeah a lot of other characters sometimes heroic willpower is enough to overcome and win the match other times they have that heroic second wind and then they get fucking beaten into the dirt other times they have the second wind and actually like turn up a good like a good performance before then be- getting beaten in the dirt. Like you genuinely do not ever know in a good Ken Ganashira match uh, who is going to win or lose. It it always makes sense in retrospect. There's very rarely times where you go, wait a minute, that was bullshit. What the fuck? But mm-hmm. while it's happening, you're genuinely like, oh, I I do not know. You're on the edge of your seat. You are, and you you paid for your entire seat, but you're only going to need the edge. <laughs> and and what helps it is there's a lot of characters who are watching the matches who are like expert fighters who we see in other matches and they argue with one another and they reach different conclusions but like no one is ever just the character who is wrong and the character who is right sometimes the characters watch and they go like this will be how it, this next exchange turns out and they're dead on another time they'll be like this is how it turns out and they got it completely wrong so he he does manage to produce these genuinely unpredictable matches and just yeah, the array of characters is excellent. So I, I suppose I can move on to some of the other like key. I wanted to 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 add on to what you were saying earlier. I'm sorry if I if I keep stopping. Oh, it's good. You. There's like I said, there's so much ground to cover. I don't want this just to be me just steamrolling the entire time. Whatever direction you think would be most interesting, we're gonna go in that way. Well, I wanted to compliment because in whenever I get super into something, I really like to know more about the the artists and like what their thought processes are and. I'm having a field day with Chainsaw Man and I will never shut up about it. <laughs> but when it comes to Kengen Ashura, like I do appreciate now knowing that he had a lot of martial arts background and like people helping him with the manga who have a, a very strong martial arts background. But it sounds like this man sat in on a ton of actual tournaments. Maybe. I- because if you go to these you go to these fights, you don't know who these people are. Like it's always gonna be you never know. So that's really beautiful to be able to bring that in versus the calculated 
shonen tournament arcs. Yeah. And I, I I don't know Yabako's exact background, like how many like tournaments he attends or watches or whatever. But I do know there is behind the scenes like uh, comics of Daro describing how Yabako and the editor took him to his very first pro wrestling match and how much of a fucking oh my blast God. he had. I uh, <laughs> I love to hear it, especially because I, I'm I, I, New Japan's wrestling scene is oh, buck wild. Oh, and, oh my! And another great segue because one of the premier fighters, one of the 32 fighters of the Kengen Annihilation Tournament, and one of the canonical strongest competitors in the entire Kengen scene is Jun Sekibayashi, a Japanese pro wrestler. Who, to be clear, his Ayo. martial art is it's not that he's a pro wrestler and uses another martial art. It's not even that he's a pro wrestler whose martial art is like regular Greco-Roman wrestling or something. His martial art is pro wrestling. Yes! Yes! I love to hear it! Because (laughs) canonically, he not only just uses like all the moves, he refuses to ever dodge a strike. He will take... He takes... Every blow, and that is deliberate. It's not that he's too slow to dodge, and he will, like, redirect things that would kill him uh, or, like, cripple him yeah. or whatever, but he, he there's literally an exchange because he is the second fight in the anime, third fight in the manga uh, against Omo, and he literally, like, tells Omo, like, go ahead, exercise your options. Like, what? My options? Yeah, fighters like you have the option to run away. Like, (laughs) when it comes to pro wrestling, running away isn't an option. (laughs) Whether it's a bullet, a blade, or a bomb, we have a duty to take it while standing. And so, yeah, he literally just takes all blows standing up. And That's And nutty. his very first match in the Kengen tournament is against a genuine sumo wrestler. And oh it my God. kicks ass. Yeah, Jun Sekibayashi is a, is a favorite of, this, of the fans of the franchise for a very good reason. He also has an incredible backstory, so I'm going to slightly break my rule of not explaining beyond the first uh, phase of the tournament to talk about a little bit june's uh backstory because we absolutely go for it because it establishes that yeah when he was like 15 or 16 uh he joined up with this wrestling promotion like to their training camp uh immediately got his ass beaten by the guy in charge who's like the uh who's basically the in-universe representation of who is uh anoki who's like the dude who has like the really like uh like distinctive chin uh and in baki Uh, no 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 like in in real life in Uh, real life i don't know maybe antonio inoki that's it uh, basically, the in-universe ah. representation of Antonio Inoki beats his ass. He's like, oh, he's got promise. Put him in. So he goes through this ridiculous training regimen. We're talking like two hours spent bridging, 10,000 push-ups, like dozens and dozens of rope climbs, like 20,000 Hindu squats, uh, the whole work. And then, then, that is the warm-up, then fucking wrestling till his body gives out. And he's just doing this day in, day out. And then one day, like, the uh, the mentor character, like, takes him out to dinner, and he's like, huh, June, you really seem like you've taken to fighting really well. It's like, well, sir, you know, I'm just doing what I have to. And, and like, the guy talks to him, and he's like, hmm, I've got an idea for your promotion name. Hell's Angel, June Sekibayashi. I think it suits you. And June's like, huh, sounds like a stupid name. Like, well, sleep on it. Thank you. Uh, and that guy then fucking dies that night. Like, he literally, like, goes and gets mugged. And the next scene is at his funeral. All, like, uh, June isn't there. Sekibayashi isn't there. And, like, all the other trainees and, like, wrestlers are like, where's that in great June Sekibayashi? You know, he should be here for his mentor. And, like, the other mentor character, sort of like the, the second command of the promotion who is also training June, is like, he's training because he promised that guy he would. And it shows that, yeah, the dude told him 
don't even come to my funeral. Do not skip a single day of pro wrestling training. And so the final panel of this flashback is Jun Sekibayashi fucking sobbing to himself while doing his Hindu squats. And it's oh really good. Oh my god. Can this, I... this, 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 this is really good. <laughs> Ken Ganashira kicks ass. Can I add something to this? I just want to make sure I understood this correctly because I'm having a lot of emotions right now. So the guy who had the funeral, was that the dude who's supposed to look like Antonio Inoki? Yes. So can I tell you something? Go ahead. Do you know that he died on the first of this month? What? Yeah. Oh, no. I, just, I didn't know what he looked like. So I Googled him and there was like, in loving memory of Antonio Inoki, oh, da-da-da, no. to 2022. And I went... What? And then he, he died 10 days ago oh, from recording. Oh, my God. Rest in peace, my guy. Oh, oh, my God. If only he'd lived, he could have listened to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> he died without hearing my podcast. <laughs> you did. You bring him back. He stays on this side. Raised from the grave. Listen to my... No, I'm going to go to hell. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of 30 Rock. Like, it's not his time. He stays on this side. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, my God. That's nutty. Yeah, in June, like I said, we've covered two out of 32 fighters for this fucking tournament. We've got a lot of crazy bullshit. Because yet yet another thing I really like uh, about Kenyon is one thing Yavako did when he was setting out on this was uh, he didn't like how in a lot of stuff like Baki and other sort of like martial arts mangas, they'll introduce a character who's like a heavyweight champion or like an MMA champion or something and use them as like the punching bag yeah. to show like the... How like, oh, the secret Okinawan karate technique called the buttfucker style. Ah, ha, ha, you can fight against that. <laughs> uh, whereas, no, Yabako is like, you realize these dudes, like, if they're champion this level, it doesn't matter how good you fucking are in the underground. They're going to beat your ass. So, like, yeah, they've got uh, uh, Kaolan Wongsawat, who is a former Nakmoi, Muay Thai fighter, uh, turned heavyweight Ooh. champion of the world. And uh, Naoya Okubo who is the MMA champion of Japan, like heavyweight. Yo. They are the characters who fight the final boss character in his first two rounds. And they literally make this dude have a fucking mental breakdown about how strong they were. Oh my God. <laughs> like, so I guess, yeah, I'm somewhat spoiling again how those first few matches go. But yeah. So the final boss character is this monster named Agito Kano, who is representing the current chairman of the Kengen Association. Agito Kano is... Really funny to talk about because he is this monster of a martial artist, but his entire character arc is essentially having a mental breakdown over how small the actual gap is between him and the other fighters of the tournament. Because he's yeah. like, I'm so good, no one can even touch me. And then they proceed to touch him. <laughs> like straight up one of my favorite moments of the entire show is in that first fight against the MMA guy. There's a point in the match where Okubo has been, they've been fighting on about equal turf, but then Agito finally, like, after being on the on the receiving end of a ground and pound, he's finally like, that's enough. He, like, throws him off and stands up and he's like, your techniques, I can see through them now. There's nothing you can do to win. And then, like, characters watching, uh, is like, it's over. From now on, none of Okubo's attacks will reach Agito. And, that, and then Okubo, like, goes in for, like, goes in for a tackle 
And then boom! Fucking clear haymaker across Agito's face into a suplex. And then proceeds to, in the manga, 15 pages straight of him beating Agito Kano's ass. 15 pages? 15, not 50, but still. Like, there's just 15 straight pages of Agito not even having a chance. Before then, he pulls out the bullshit, turns around, like, ends it. But yeah, that moment where it's like, none of Okubo's attacks will reach Agito. Uh, Okubo immediately hits Agito in the face. And it's really good. And he's done. Yeah, that like that's what I was talking about, the unpredictability. Because yeah, in any other in any other manga, they would have been right. That would have been the moment that Kano just starts immediately going to town on this fool. Mm-hmm. But no, Okubo proves he's here for a reason, and it's so good. God, yeah, there's so many fucking characters worth talking about. Uh, I suppose one thing, just to take a quick turn, is one thing I can say about uh, Ken Ganashira is it falls into the category of manga that is simultaneously somehow both gay and homophobic. What a category to be in. <laughs> it's like, you know what I'm talking about, right? We're like, I like that you transitioned to this department because I was waiting to ask for the right moment. Can you please tell me more about the three blonde twinks? I'm very curious. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I did cheat a little bit. There's only two blonde twinks in the in the Kenyan Annihilation tournament. We get a third one for the follow-up tournament, which is Kengen versus Purgatory. Ooh. So uh, the first blonde twink is uh, a fellow by the name of Cosmo Imai, who, uh, let me see if I can get some art of him. Actually, I won't even give you the art of him. I'll just give you a meme of him. But, uh, <laughs> so Cosmo Imai, he's this 19-year-old, like, five and a half feet tall, if that, uh, and like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter. And his specialty is that, you know, he's a really good grappler, but he's also master of this thing called the zone, which is that there's like a point one, I think it's point one second, like stretch of time where someone is fully committed to their attack. And he somehow knows how to operate in that point one second of hesitation and turn it into a winning grapple. Ooh. So like, that's how he wins his very first match is he's against the racist, uh, who is an American by the name of, uh, oh fuck, uh, Adam something. How am I forgetting this fool's name? Uh, Kengen, Adam... Adam Dudley! Adam Dudley! Uh, Adam, yeah, yeah, Adam Dudley has grills that say fuck, which in the anime were changed to say damn. Like, let me find oh something for school. He, he's just an American street fighter. And yeah, he is, he's kind of homophobic. He's kind of racist because he's American. Mm. Yeah, here's a good picture. Where yeah, <laughs> he's just an American street fighter who is like twice Cosmo's size. Uh, and his power is that he he's a hockey player. Like, that is his actual like day job. Oh, my Lord. And because he's a hockey player, he has insane core strength. Which means he can throw knockout blows without using his lower body. So, like, even on the ground, he can throw a punch hard enough to kill a man. Jeez! Uh, but Cosmo takes him out by fucking, like, just choking him out that with the zone. Uh, it moves on to the second round. Uh, Co- Cosmo Yamai gets a lot of flack in the, uh, in the fandom and not undeservedly because he has a lot of protagonist syndrome. Where a lot of the tournament is him just getting better, sometimes unfairly. I like Cosmo, but I do see those criticisms. But yeah, the second blonde twink is also the cyborg I mentioned. Ooh. And this this fight that he's in, his one and only fight in the entire manga, is some of the biggest bullshit of all of Kengen, and I love it. Because this man is named Dr. Hajime Hanafusa. He is, as, as I mentioned, he's a doctor with the Tokyo Uni- University. 
Uh, he's also insane and a body mod crazy boy. Ooh. His match is against a death row convict who they have tried to execute 25 times without success because he can just because the only thing they allow in Japan for execution is death by hanging. And his bones are so flexible that he just cannot be hung. He's not otherwise a fighter. He's just built different. Yeah. And so they have this fight where Hanafuse... And also the only reason he's being allowed to fight in the tournament despite being on death row is the Japanese government is hoping that Hanafusa or someone else will kill him because they are out of ideas. Oh my God! <laughs> so, so he goes against Hanafusa and Hanafusa starts out by like trying to hit his acupuncture points and disable him. Doesn't work. Breaks his fingers. So then Hanafusa is like, well, that didn't work. Let me go with the... Bone saws in my hands! Sick! Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah! these two fucking swords burst out of his palms, uh, made out of his own femurs that he replaced with metal implants, and then he just fucking goes to town against Bondo. That's the other dude's name is Yohei Bondo. And Bondo ends up winning through bullshit by, like, literally twisting his spine out of the way when Hanafusa was about to stab him in the chest, and then breaking Hanafusa's neck backwards... Uh, but don't worry, Hanafusa has an automatic pacemaker, so when his neck was reattached, he just wakes up and is fine. Uh. <laughs> he also performed surgery on himself to remove his sense of pain. Yeah, Hanafusa's got some fucking bullshit. I live. Um, I like that he's like the topsy-turvy version of the last blonde twink, where the last one seemed very sweet, and this one just got an energy. <laughs> Yeah, let me see. I thought I took a quick. Yeah, this is one. This is how he's introduced to the fan service nurse character he's friends with. He literally asks her, "Would you like to be dissected?" Uh... Be like his obsession with is with dissecting weird bodies. Uh, but he is a good doctor. He's just kind of crazy. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> God, yeah. There's so much good shit. Oh, the third blonde twink. This one is not quite as interesting, but it, it also requires explaining a lot more about the world. But I can address it really quickly. Uh, that character I was mentioning, Kano Agito. Uh, I'm gonna sometimes flip the names back and forth because since they're Japanese, they do the surnames first and the uh, and the first name second, mm-hmm. and I sometimes forget which was supposed to be which. Uh, so if I ever flip it around from what I said before, if that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agito Kano is he is the Fang of Metsudo. Metsudo is the chairman of the Kengan Association, and so Agito is like the guy he goes to for fighting. He is the Fang of Metsudo, and critically, he is the fifth fang of metsudo because that there's like basically whenever he has another fighter who is good enough they become a fang of metsudo the third blonde twink is a character by the name of misasa who is after several a few years of time skip into kenigan omega is the eighth fang of metsudo and he is that in spite of being a twink because he knows salat which is a cool martial art and some people shit on it but fuck you it's the martial art they use in the raid so it's cool in my book but yeah, he's not quite as interesting to get into, uh, and there's a lot of setup, but yeah, that is the third blonde twink. I like how they are all pretty much the same blonde twink, but with, like, you know how there's, like, hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil? Like, I could see them lined up, but just different anime energies. <laughs> it's like, we got the good protagonist, we got the fucked up cyborg doctor man, and then we've got this fucker right here. <laughs> Yeah, also, I should mention this earlier, it is my headcanon that Kazumi, Mai, and Adam Dudley date after the Kenkin Annihilation tournament. I ship it. I, I, I ship it. It's it's real now. <laughs> yeah, so, like, when I was talking about, like, this being uh, gay and homophobic at the same time, I'll start with the gay and then explain in broad details why, like, there's a certain way I recommend consuming Kenkin. Uh, let me find it. So there's shit like this that is 
not outright gay, but just has no straight explanation. Like these panels right here, where there's just like, where it's like, you're cute. You better keep me entertained. Mm -hmm. Or like little heart emojis while they're talking. Oh my God. But then we get to the, char the character Kiryu, uh, Setsuna Kiryu, who, without exaggeration, is just gay for Oma. I love. Like, the, like it's not that he's queer coded. He's just gay. He's just queer, and I live for it. <laughs> yeah, he's... Now, don't get me wrong. It's not the best representation, because he's also insane and evil. But he is just... He he literally want. You know how there's the thing of wanting to get stepped on by your by your crushes. He literally wants to get stepped on by Oma. He wants. O he thinks Oma is a god who will kill him. Hey, you know. Now, I'm. Why why <laughs> <laughs> why does he think Oma is a god? This gets back to those heart problems I was talking about in the Nico style. So I mentioned the Nico style is basically magic bullshit, right? Yes. So the martial art, this is another thing I like about Kengen compared to Baki, is that's one thing I, even though I liked Baki, Baki doesn't really have a martial art, he's just a fighter, uh, and I kind of get why, it's meant to be that he's so strong he doesn't need a martial art, he just knows what he knows, but, uh, but Oma does have the martial art, like a, a specific martial art he uses, which I think makes it more interesting, and is the Nico style, it's a fictional martial art, uh, it literally means two tiger style, I think, uh, yes, it's two tigers, that's right, and it's sort of this assemblage of other disparate martial arts techniques and concepts broken down into four katas there is the redirection kata which is just like basically taking your opponent's momentum and turning it against them there is adamantine kata which involves uh like hardening your muscles and like physical conditioning to pull off crazy bullshit like punching a bullet so it goes off 175 degrees at the wrong angle hey, yo. uh there is the water kata which is just basically grappling and there's the flame kata, which is like footwork and stuff like that. And and they allow you to do some insane bullshit. To help demonstrate, I'm going to play a quick little game with you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a name of a, of a Nico-style technique, and you're going to tell me, based off the name, what you think it does. I love games. I'm so here for this. All right. Nico redirection and water kata technique. Bone consumption. Uh... Wild guess, whatever you think it fucking is the about. The first thing that comes to mind is kind of gross, but it's like basically when someone goes to punch you, you kind of just break their bones in the process. So not quite. Uh, so it <laughs> it is a technique that allows the user to basically dislocate their joints Ew! and then just reconnect them anyway. Ew! Uh, <laughs> uh, next, how about Will-O-The-Wisp? Um, you're fast. You're super fast. And quiet. Kind of. Uh, it's it's just basically a curb. It's basically a curb stomp. It what? is a roundhouse kick turned into an axe <laughs> kick curb stomp. Uh, yeah, and it looks really cool. Now we get into into two of my favorites. What do you think change of scenery is? Um, like a Dragon Ball Z uh destructive finish where you yeet them across the map and it breaks stuff. You are extremely close. It is just literally throwing them. Ah! <laughs> it is literally throwing them so hard, they leave the area. Oh my god. <laughs> and the last one I have prepared, Water Dragon's Vein. Uh, you know, um, um, 
It's gonna if have you make some... a dick vein joke. I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna cancel. I'm not. You. <laughs> I know it has something to do with blood, though. It's like, is it like using your your blood? To, is it like Luffy stuff where you 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 make your blood pump faster and you do crazy stuff? So put a pin in that, cause not that's not Water Dragon's vein. Water Dragon's vein is the bow and arrow hold from pro wrestling. <laughs> It is the dumbest looking shit, and that makes it cool. Yeah, for for the listeners, I have put a picture of Oma Takeda on his ass, like with his knees up toward his chest, trying to break Cosmo E. I I need a chiropractor to do that to me right now. Yeah, it's 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 some bullshit. Now, the thing you brought up of pumping your blood faster, those are the heart problems I mentioned because (gasps) that is the secret Nico style technique, the advance, and. Yeah, if you know what Luffy does in One Piece, you basically know the advance. Because it is just when Oma decides, hey, you know what? Fuck this. And literally advances some of the years of his life to basically blood dope himself. Ayo. So he just starts, like, these moves way faster, hits super harder, but also, like, loses a lot of his, like, technical capability. Uh, that forms, like, some of the early conflict is that he's, like, starting to over-rely on the advance and, like, starts, because he's causing fucking brain bleeding, starts hallucinating his old master, Nico, who is like, hey, Oma, uh, you're gonna get your ass beat if you over-rely on this because you just punch harder and, like, move slightly faster, but you're not actually, like, gonna, you're just gonna kill yourself and you're gonna forget, like, the better techniques of the Nico style, which the conflict there culminates in Oma's second match of the tournament and one of the best fights of the entire manga which is against the assassin known as Ryan Kure which uh to to explain who the fuck Ryan Kure is let me ask you a little something Roma how uh, do you feel about eugenics um <laughs> bad right mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well the Kure family would disagree with you because they are a family of assassins whose whole shtick is that they get just the best dudes and ladies and whoever else into their clan consensually. They don't get to like fucking like kidnapping territory. Okay. But they will just, yeah, they will basically breed themselves into just being the best assassins imaginable to the point that their their fucking Scalera is colored black from the blood of all the people they have killed over time. Oh my god! Like let me find let me find a picture of Ryan Kure. Uh yeah, this is this is a picture of Ryan Kure while using a basically the Kure equivalent to the advance called removal. Um, I could I would you know that would send me to hell already. They're just looking at that. I would just die instantly. <laughs> yeah, the Kures are nothing to fuck around with because the removal. Is uh, okay. So there's I, there's a physiological fun fact that you may have heard of in the past that we only use about one third of our total musculature, like of all of our muscle fibers in our body. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and but under stress, sometimes like you know, people like a woman lifting a car off her baby, we can use all like all one hundred percent of the muscle fibers, but it could fuck up our body. So our generally our body is like, hey, no, we're not using that much. The Kure family has bred themselves to not only be able to withstand that level of strain. They have trained them. They have trained and bred themselves to be able to deliberately invoke all of that muscle strength. Hey, yo! Uh, and that is the removal. And they have different removal levels where, like, uh, they can re- uh, like some can unlock up to fifty percent of their of their latent strength. Some can unlock up to like sixty five percent. Ryan Kure is one of the few Kure's who can do one hundred percent. 
and he is a monster. He looks in like every it. sense of the word. Oh, and Lord. so he so the second match is is him versus Oma, and so there's just this extended period where Oma's in the advance and Ryan's in removal, and there ain't techniques; they're just slugging on one another, and it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love it when big beefy men hit each other. <laughs> yeah, when they hit each other so fucking hard, they die. <laughs> God. Uh, I'm trying to think of like what else to go from from here because I've already covered so much of the of the first phase, the fighters in well, that in that phase. I have some questions for you if you're interested. Maybe that'll it'll tickle me. your brain a bit. So you you've hit me with a lot of fighters. You've definitely haven't hit me with all of them, but I am curious. What is your personal favorite? They could be problematic or not. Who do you like the most? Oh, there are some fucking good options there. Uh, mm, 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 so I'm not sure if he's my absolute favorite, but he's fucking up there. And that is a man by the name of Sa Pang Yoroizuka, uh, who he is the loud boyfriend I mentioned earlier. Uh, I love loud I boyfriends. There's the, heavy, there's the heavy, yeah, there's the heavyweight champion, Kaolan Wangsawat, who's from Thailand as, you know, Muay Thai makes sense. Uh, but, uh bordering thailand is burma and so like when they were when they were younger the two of them encountered each other at like a cross uh a cross promotional tournament between the two countries uh with burma using its martial art of the show calls it lethway uh i think it's more properly called layway but i'm not certain of that don't don't quote me there but uh yeah kaolan won their fight but as he described it was the only fight he ever failed to win by knockout because Saw Pang just took all of his blows. Because that is Saw Pang's superpower. Is, uh, you know the thing of like, in certain martial arts, like in Shaolin traditions and whatnot, they'll deliberately like cause micro fractures in their bones so it grows back slightly stronger? I didn't know that. Yeah, that that's a thing. That's a real life thing. Where like, you, you that's what like a lot of conditioning is. You like basically hit stuff until... Uh, until your body gets less weak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's like a specific meme there uh, maybe i didn't save it uh, but either way that yes yeah, sopping yori isaka has taken this principle and applied it to his entire skeletal structure oh so his bones are basically steel like not a joke there is a clip in the anime showing the flashback where he's five years old smiling like a madman and a grown-ass man hits him in the face with a wooden mouth oh my gosh and, like, the, the moment we find this out in the tournament, because his first match is against the fisherman I mentioned, uh, whose name is Yoshinari Karo. Yoshinari Karo, I think. I may be slightly mangling the first name. Who, yeah, he's he's a career fisherman of 30 years, but that has just made him so incredibly hardy and, like, capable of, like, controlling his body. Uh, but it also leads to the stupid bullshit where he has land sickness. So, like, he, you know, on, on, on land, it feels kind of unnaturally unbalanced, sort of reverse of seasickness. Mm -hmm. Which, that's also supposedly a real thing, where if you spend a lot of time at sea, your inner ear gets kind of fucked up, and land seems unstable. So, Karo deliberately takes a roundhouse kick to the head to reset his sense of balance, at which point he is almost literally a ballet dancer oh. in terms of balance what? and, like, physical capability. But when he does this, he uppercuts Saw Pang like across like across the ring after like karate chopping him in the back of the head to briefly knock him unconscious. And at first it's like, oh no, Saw Pang's been not like been knocked out. 
Then it cuts, and Caro's hand is a fucking gnarled mess, and because he hit Sopang in his steel skull. Hey, and then he responds by going, "You think this is gonna stop me?" Forces it back into a fist, and then keeps fighting Sopang. And then Sopang manages to win by deliberately entering a bear hug, and then elbow dropping him in the spine. Oh my god! And Sopang, also while doing this, is so loud he by his own quote, doesn't need a mic when he's in the tournament. And then he has, like, he has matches later. He has an incredible match recently at Omega in the most recent tournament. Uh, It's actually against Cosmo Imai, and it's one of my favorite... It's another one of my favorite... I'm going to say this about, like, every fucking fight in the series. It's one of the best matches in the entire, like, in the entire franchise. This... This needs... Like, he literally... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, 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 it's fine, because I've actually got a panel from it. You you keep talking while okay. I'm finding it. You find that panel, because I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I love my loud boyfriend. Sop Hang is amazing. Uh, where is my dating simulator? I need uh, one. Listen, I... <laughs> like... <laughs> uh, here's, like, two panels from it. Here's a third. Here's him hanging out with his boyfriend. Aww. Like, he he literally gets out of a fucking guillotine choke by headbutting the ground so hard that the recoil pulls him out of it. <laughs> he is... Yeah, Sawpang... Again, I'm not sure he's my absolute favorite, but he is for real up there. I love him. Yeah, Sawpang is like... He's like, yeah! All right, it's time! Like, he's like a really loud Sonic the Hedgehog. Um... <laughs> In, in his second match of the Kengen... Oh, is it the second match? Yeah, it's the second match. Uh, the second match of the Kengen Annihilation Tournament. He manages to... He manages to figure out his te- his opponent's, like, super speedy techniques. Because the guy he's going up against is a speed freak who wins his first match in an immeasurably small amount of time. Ayo! He literally just keeps taking all of these dudes' blows because he can't see him coming. He can't react, but he can just absorb all the blows until he's got, like, a bead on the dude's rhythm. So he just absorbs all of these attacks, and it's really cool. That's sick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think if there are any other, like, fighters who are absolutely... Oh, I, I do have a runner-up for actually who might be my serious answer for favorite, because it's also one of my favorite moments, mm-hmm. that, like, non-fight moments in the franchise, is Lahito, the superhuman. Lahito is basically Oma's uh, non-gay rival. Because <laughs> Kiryu is his gay rival. Lahito <laughs> is his non-gay rival. Uh, unless you want him, unless you want otherwise. Mm. Lahito is another street fighter. He until like he starts a training arc going into Kenyon Omega. He has no set style. He just has his personal brand of street fighting. But he also has the innate physical capability of insane pinch strength. Which means that his fingers are essentially razor blades when he swings ah! them. So he can like swing them at you and just carves your skin off your like off your bones if he hits you. Uh, Oma beats him in a way that's super cool and I'm not going to spoil here because it's like the second episode and it's worth watching and seeing for yourself. Because the moment where Oma beats Rutlahito is the moment I knew I was going to be into Ken Ganashra. Because uh, it's really good. And, like, the soundtrack just, it hits. It's, it's absolutely killing it. But Lahito's first and, sadly... Only match in the Kengan Annihilation Tournament is against Kuroki Gensai, a, like, master karateka, a little bit like Dopo Orochi from Baki, mm-hmm. who, uh, at first, like, the dude is just wailing on Lahito, but then Lahito manages to get, like, one slash in on him, and so the guy, like, kind of starts fighting Lahito back, and then finally, uh, 
reveals that, oh no, you didn't actually ever, ever had a chance. Did, did you think you had a chance of winning this, dude? Absolutely not. No. Oh, uh, like this is one of the moments I talked about where Lahito starts to get, he gets two second wins and Gensai Kuroki fucking shuts him down on both. Oh man. And, and then Lahito after the match is over, like he wakes up from getting like knocked out. Uh, and he finds out the results and his immediate reaction, like he gets up, he's talking to one of his friends. He's like, oh, well, can't, you can't win them all. I guess I'll try again next time. He starts to get up and walk away. I'm like, what are you doing, man? You got to rest. I'm like, going to find the ladies. And he leaves and he like walks down the hallway and then he stops. And then he just breaks down sobbing. Because <laughs> he's just, he feels so humiliated at losing like that. Oh, Because it's like. Yeah, because he's he's not quite a himbo. He's not quite good natured enough to be a himbo, but he's approaching there. Uh, oh, he's because it's like yeah, he's also because <laughs> he's also entered into the tournament as his own CEO. Because the Jeff Bezos character I was talking about gave him his own company so he could enter and fight for him, Jeff Bezos. Ah! So if he wins, he can name Jeff Bezos as the chairman. Yeah, the Jeff Bezos character is a fucking chess master and a half. It's really mm -hmm. good. Um, Nogi. Uh, that's his name. But yeah, Lahito, I think, is more seriously one of my favorites. Also, he's finally got a win, because that was one of the biggest irritations in the fandom, is he keeps getting these insane fights. Like, he gets a really excellent fight in the Ken in the in the first Kenigan Omega tournament, but he still loses it. And so everyone kept going, like, why Lahito's trying so hard? He can, he needs a real win. Give that boy a win. Give him what he deserves. Give our boy what he needs. God, I love Lahito. I need to. Pl I want to play as Lahito in an interstitial game at some point because he absolutely, like I. Th those are the two characters I want to play in interstitial is uh, Lahito because he's in desperate need of like sort of a Kingdom Hearts style quest to find himself, <laughs> and Agito Kano because for plot reasons he is in desperate need of a friendship arc. Aww. Like yeah, like he, yeah. Kengen Ashura is, uh, is, it's many different stories because they're like all of these fighters are fully realized uh, to one extent or another. Agito's personal arc is becoming more of a human being outside of fighting. Oh. Uh, he's really cool. I like him. Good bean. Yeah, they, uh, I, I keep bringing it up earlier, so I want to quickly address it. When I, when I keep bringing up like the gay and homophobic, uh, this is mostly the fault of the manga and supposedly to some extent the Japanese dub of the anime. Because mm -hmm. uh, the manga has only recently been started to get official translations into English. Originally it was fan translations. Uh, and so a lot of them are kind of unnecessarily edgy. So when they're trash talking each other, they're kind of like... Uh, what are you gonna do, you? And they drop the F slur, uh, uh. and just being kind of broadly homophobic. Yeah, it's it's why I recommend if you're gonna get into Ken Ashura, watch the anime in English. Cause one, it's fucking KG Tang is Oma, and I love KG Tang. Mm -hmm. uh, but two, it it pretty much excises the uh, the homophobia. Except for, like, obliquely Lahito having a rivalry with the character who is an extremely effeminate gay ballet dancer fighter. Mm-hmm. Keizaburo Sawada, uh, <laughs> which, yes, one of the fighters is just a ballet dancer. Again, I sort of like how Jun's, yeah, sort of like how Jun Sekibayashi, it's not that he's a pro wrestler with a martial art. Uh, Keizaburo Sawada is just a ballet dancer. He doesn't have a martial art. He is just, he can kick like a motherfucker. Sounds like Bon Clay out here. I'm digging. It's, yeah, it's a little bit. God, there's so many fucking good things in Ken Ganache. <laughs> I would literally, I could literally just keep going on talking about fights, but every time I get into one avenue, I need to immediately turn off. Like, but wait a minute, let me tell you about these fools. This fight's amazing. Here's the context. 
yeah, this kid, oh, like, so, yeah, because I'll mention, like, oh, this character has this fight, but wait a minute, let me tell you about the other fighter, because they're also fucking insanely cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are also so worth talking about, and it's rad! Oh! God, yeah, no, I cannot emphasize how much this show has eaten at my soul for the last couple years. Because, yeah. like, again, I'm literally now writing a fucking fantasy manuscript about a tournament arc because Ken, I need to excise Ken Ganashira from my soul. I need to excise it. It needs to leave. It needs... I need to realize it. Um. <laughs> oh, oh, man. God. Now, I'm... I, uh... I'm going to be very transparent and I'm sure you've also heard this. This is the, the curse that the berserk uh, animation had, but the 3d modeling is some things that some people don't mind. Some people like it. Some people aren't into it. It's a little gawky for me. So it, I, I do get lost in it sometimes. And so that's where I, I ended up staying away from. I think I watched like half of episode one, a couple years ago. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, this is like Baki, but that's when, uh, I, I was just being an asshole, honestly, about animation. But now I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm going to go onto my roommate's Netflix account and I'm going to spend the rest of the evening watching this fucking show. Yeah, I, yeah. this this is a case where one, I, so I have a two-part response to that. Because one, I think you're fair to be, uh, to be very dubious of 3D anime animation. Because yeah, no, I tried watching Knights of Sidonia years ago off a friend's recommendation and I thought it looked awful. And part of it was the 3D animation. And like, yeah, the Berserk's, uh, the Berserk movies and uh, and Ruby, of course, another interesting oh, yeah. example. Like those, I think they all leave something to be desired. I think Kengen Ashra actually makes it work. Yeah. Like, unabashedly, I think it works there. It's not that it's always perfect. There are, it's, it's, although hilariously, the worst moments of animation, I think, in the show are in the, like when it inserts like a 2D shot. Like there's a couple ones where like they just clearly hurried on the art. Uh, and it just doesn't look good if you pause and stare at it. Yeah. Uh, but the 3D animation, I think, broadly really works. You know, it's interesting because I'm also remembering in Baki, it's been a hot minute since I've watched it, but there is a lot of fight scenes where they substituted for 3D modeling. And it looked god-awful! Yeah, I remember I had the exact same thought. Because I remember it's Doppo versus uh, one of the convicts, one of the, like, Death Convict arc, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, uh, where just for a random couple shots he's in a 3d model and it's super jarring and looks bad because it just comes out of nowhere king and ashra in my opinion is way better than that uh, but that leads to the second part of my initial response which is that this is a this is one of the rare instances where i can say specifically where the cutoff point is where if you if you get to this point and you're not into the show you're not going to get into it and that is the end of episode three uh because that is the episode where he fights the pro wrestler uh, and it's a really good fight. The end of that episode is when they declare the tournament. So that's when shit's starting to get good. Uh, mm-hmm. And from there, it's just ramping up and up. Yeah, it's this one. It looks so bad. Uh, yeah, for for the viewer, we the Roma has just shared the the clip we were talking about from Baki, where they just, they just switched like Ruby ass models out of nowhere, and it looks so gawky. But yeah, Ken Ganashi, I think it works. If you get to the end of episode three and you're even a little bit into it, keep going. But if you get to the end of episode three and you're just shaking your head like, nah, I don't see it. You're not going to get into it. Like it's, it's it like fine, respectable, understand the animation or the tone or something. Just not your cup of tea. Totally understand. But that is where the cutoff point is. Like if you're even a little bit into it by that point, keep going. Cause you're going to stay into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Also, it'll make sure you see both Lahito and Jun Sekibayashi's fights with Oma and they are both worth seeing. Yeah. So I recommend you watch, you watch the English anime 
as far as as far as it is, and they they're currently doing the follow up season to finish the tournament, Ooh. which I'm so happy about. I hope they complete production. Like some HBO Max bullshit doesn't happen. God, I hope like it c- completes because I need to see it all represented. <laughs> I need it in my life. I need it in my life. I now. need it so bad. But they watch watch the English anime, watch the English dub, then go then go back and start reading the manga because at that point one you'll get a better sense of kind of what's happening because the manga is not as well paced at the start. Like there's a whole ass fight between uh, the first, between the Lahito and Sekibayashi fights mm-hmm. uh, that I just don't like. I think it's completely needless. I don't think it does anything interesting and it's not a good fight. Uh, and the anime just skips it, you know, like, and thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. There's so, I have not even, like, keep in mind, I mentioned 32 fighters and at most I covered like, I want to say barely half of them, if that. Yeah, like you, 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 most of them were touched on, and then some were in depth. But yeah, it sounds like the roster that they got going on is insane. Yeah, they've got so many different martial arts, a lot of really interesting characters, and he does like the backstories on these characters really well. I think because he basically he does a thing that not a lot of readers like, but I like, which is that he'll just like do a vignette off to the side about this character's story at this point in the fight, which does lead to the uh, to the joke in the fandom that whoever has a flashback in the fight first loses. <laughs> yeah, Ayo! So, like, so it's, yeah, if you're in a fight in Kengen Ashura, avoid having a flashback at all costs, because <laughs> the second you do, you've lost. You know, there's a part of me, and this is just me, me being dumb brain, I'm like, wait, so you know how that the character you met the the first twink who uses that hesitation to win? Is that hesitation them having a flashback and that's is that how they get screwed up? Uh no, that's just like that it's it's one of those things that's probably based on like an actual fighting fact, but like the story yeah. that it's it's that the other person is like committed to an attack and it's that point one second of time where they're like fully committed to it, and so Cosmo responds in that point one second to like get them in a hole. Well now it's my headcanon. That's just how I'm going to live my life. (laughs) (laughs) I can't stop you. You can believe, like, (laughs) reality is fungible, unlike these NFTs. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I was, it's not, you know, NFT jokes will never get old. No, they absolutely never will. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Trying to see if there's anything else I desperately needed to bring up, but I think I covered. You covered a great deal of space. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm invested. I'm here for it. And, I'm having the uh, the the brain rot now of ooh, now I I need I need to I need to go turn on the TV now I need to go check out the show and <laughs> everything. Yeah, now I'm just sharing the rest of my memes that we didn't get to. It's the most Yes. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's just some good shit. Oh, I haven't even fucking gotten to characters like Kara Kure, but we just no, I can't, I can't get into the 16 year old girl who simps after Oma and makes him run away every time. Mm. There's just too much. I can't, I can't get into the shared universe with fucking how heavy are the dumbbells? Like yeah, I can't get into the shared universe with the manga and anime. How heavy are the dumbbells you lift? Because if you are listening right now. Uh, and you went, wait a minute, what do you mean shared universe with that with that manga? Like, you this cutesy manga about, like, going to the gym and getting fit? Yeah, the author of How Heavier the Dumbbells You Lift is also Yabako Sandrovich, and it's in the same universe, canonically. Uh, the Kure family I mentioned, their homeroom teacher is a member of the Kure family. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> the... 
there's a famous heavyweight boxer at the gym, like all the characters go to. That's Kowlon Wongsawat. Ah! Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. uh, the school they go to, the CEO who owns like that whole private academy is the manager of Setsuna Kiryu. <laughs> Bruh. Yeah, so if if you like how heavier the dumbbells you lift, I cannot say whether or not you will like Kengen Ashura, but it is the same universe, so you are semi-obligated to give it a go. <laughs> now you have to do this. Yeah, it's got there's so much shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, so you said that uh, Kengen Ashura is, is getting some more animation soon, and you're hype about it. Yes, yeah, so... There is currently there is two there's quote unquote two seasons on Netflix. It's basically two halves of one season because it's twenty four episodes. It takes you to the end of the it takes you I don't know it takes you to the end of the first stage of the tournament and partly into the second stage. Supposedly this latest batch they're coming out with this like third second slash third season however you want to count it is going to be the rest of the tournament. Mm-hmm. So that is how the anime is currently set up. Supposedly, yeah, if this comes out, it's going to cover the rest of the tournament, and we'll God, God can determine if they start to adapt Kenken Omega. And if we get there, holy shit, it's going to be a mess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but either way, uh, the manga, Kenken Ashura is done. Kenken Omega is still going on. I want to say there's like a couple hundred chapters of Kenken Ashura, maybe like just under. Kenken Omega is currently on chapter like 170-something. Uh, oh, And geez. I will say... Much as I love Kenny and Omega, it is not as good as Kengen Ashura <laughs> for a few different reasons. But once again, it would be a whole other fucking episode getting into, like, first off, addressing the entire plot of Kengen Ashura into how that affects, like, the time skip of Kengen Omega and why they're fighting this tournament against a different Jeff Bezos. Another one? Yeah, another one. Another one. Yeah. Amazon uh, Prime Day, is... that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> But God, you know, I, I could go on about Ken Ashura all, all day. I just, it, it's not, it's, I hate using this phrase, but it kind of gets across the sentiment. It's not high art. I'm not going to say, like, if I was teaching a writing class, I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, this is what you should do. But it is really goddamn entertaining. It's a really interesting martial arts manga. Uh, the writer, I, and at least in my opinion, does really know what he's doing, both in terms of the martial arts and the storytelling of the tournament arc. And also, yeah, it's a tournament arc with no bullshit. You don't have to you don't have to plow through like 60 episodes of other character building first. You get right to the goods. Get right to the goods, right to the tibbies. Right to right to those bit tig old biddies. You get all the cake you want to eat. No no slices, whole cakes here. <laughs> the butt CEO approves. <laughs> but you 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 would approve of the cake that exists in Ken Gosh. There is a lot to be had. Oh my god. Call, call, call me the cake boss because I've got plenty to <laughs> offer you. Yes. Oh, that tickled me. I love that. So I'm trying to think if there's anything, if we have any, do you, I'm trying to think if I have any closing thoughts. And I always have a struggle with the ends of these episodes because I'm just like sitting here in my like nice little high afterglow state of absorbing yet another hyperfixation like me with the infinity gauntlet. <laughs> just like, ah, yes. <laughs> oh, I have a question for you. Hit me. Based on what you know of me and uh, the, the shit that I spat on the internet, who do you think that I'm going to like the most? Ooh, just a vibe okay. check. It doesn't have to have any facts related to it. Just vibe check. 
Ooh, so a lot of the ones I've mentioned, you've responded very positively to. So a lot of those are promising. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me think. You know what? Let me actually do something uh, a little bit different. Let me tell you about a fighter from the from Kengen Omega, and then you will have to, like. <laughs> actually, yeah, no, I'll do that. So I'm going to tell you about one of the fighters in Kengen Omega, and that'll make you have to just speed through this series to get to this character. So there's a character named Carlos Medel, who I think you'd really like because he's a Mexican dilf whose specialty is boxing, and he is a champion not only in every single weight class, he deliberately lets himself be a featherweight because it makes him too fast to hit. And he also taught himself capoeira just to cap it off. Hey, yo. And have I mentioned he's a Spanish dilf and everyone in this fucking, and everyone in this fandom loves Carlos Medel. The real Carlos Medel. Oh, I'm looking at pictures of him now and I'm like, hey, yo. Yeah, he is, he is a fucking cool dude. Uh, he is worth the eye. So I think your favorite would be a lot of the characters I'd mentioned, but here's the character you need to get to to determine if they're your favorite. <laughs> I got like a, my own terminate arc of figuring out who my favorite is, and then that's my final boss. He's a little bit. If it's not him, it's going to be the second fighter in this in the King and Omega tournament, which is the Falcon, who is uh he's just a weeb. He's he's literally just a former underground MMA fighter who discovered ninja movies and literally turned his hyperfixation into a fighting style. Oh my god! He's a dork! I love yeah, him! The, the Falcon. Yeah, I changed my answer. The Falcon, I think, would be your favorite. <gasps> he's... If nothing else, he's, if, if he's not your favorite character, he is the most <laughs> emblematic character for this podcast. He's got a Naruto headband on! Literally, yes. The Falcon is the poster Ken Ganashira child for the hyperfixation because he turned his hyperfixation into a combat style. Ah! Okay. I'll let you know. I'll keep you updated because honestly, <laughs> he kind of slaps. <laughs> he he is great. <sighs> what is that? Is he holding? Oh my god. What do you, what do you, what'd you find of the Falcon? He, uh, I'm going to just send it to you. If it doesn't, it's a web MP. You don't get to know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's, he's doing a, the, a Naruto jutsu hand pose, and it's like a chapter oh. opening. <laughs> yeah, he, he literally incorporates those into his fighting style because it throws off his opponent's contact timing. Or his, their reaction timing, rather. So they'll go to move, they'll go to block a move, but he's still doing the hand seal, so he goes around their block. <laughs> you might have won. You might have, you might have 360 no scoped me. <laughs> yeah, the Falcon, the Falcon is alone is worth the price of admission. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm so hyped. Is there anything else that you'd like to address before we close out this episode? I mean, not like listen. Anything else about Kengan? About Kengan? I'm just gonna get like check content warnings. I can give those personally if you want. Because uh, I think I'd just be an awkward note to close on of like all. Like, here's all the things I love. Now here's all of the bad parts. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, you can check with me for con- like content warnings or just you know look them up. It's not perfectly unproblematic like any series. There's some moments that you go like, ooh, ooh. not not sure. I love that. But as a whole, it is yeah. To me, it's it's pure combat. It's poor. It's Pure combat tournament arc distillate, and that is why I love it. 
because I think he nails it mm-hmm. flawlessly. It sounds like it. Oh, I'm so hype. I I <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching this show like literally after we finish recording this episode, and uh, I'll give you my notes. It'll just come out of left field. I mean, you'll be expecting it today, but for the rest of eternity, you'll just get my thoughts and my reactions just out of left field. You'll be like, ah, that's what Roma's doing right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Give it, give it to the end of episode three. That is the cutoff point. Okay. If you're still into it by then, keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. You have my, you have my promise. Excellent. Um, but, uh, I think this is, this is probably. I am so bad at transitioning. I'm like, oh, all right. Looking around the room, everyone good? Everyone good? Okay. Time for outros. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, uh, you can find me on the internet on Twitter at four whole moons that is four is in the number spelled out whole is in not half and moons is in all that delicious cake you're gonna get if you read kengan ashura you can also find me at my website www.theodoramonk.com just my first name last name i've got just you know, all the different places you can find me i've got a portfolio and a resume because i'm fr- i'm available for hire for any sort of writing or narrative design gigs yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at most of the internet. Oh, I'm on Forgotten Eras, the actual play Kingdom Hearts podcast. Uh, and you can find me on and off as guests, uh, guest spots and stuff like Not If I Reboot You First uh, and other shows uh, done by those uh, done by the Corner Podcast Network. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, is it my turn now? <laughs> I got brain rot. <laughs> Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> uh, you can find me on the internet. At I appreciate your butt at the twitter.com. That is I A P P R E C I, the number eight U R B U T T. And uh, I won't shut the fuck up ever. I tweet every day. Um, <laughs> it is, I tweet like it's my salary job. And you can also find me uh, in this podcast as a whole at the hyperfix pod at the twitter.com, where I'll usually announce when episodes come out or like or retweet anything that uh, this show has covered. And um, you can also hang out with us at our Discord. We have a link to the Discord on our Twitter page in the show notes. And uh, if you really, if you need help and you just can't find it, just ask me and I'll get you in there. Uh, we, we talk about <laughs> stuff all day, all the time. And there's lots of good stuff. There's a whole previous season of stuff that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. There's so much, so little time. Best use it wisely. I'm coming for you. <laughs> what else do I say? Oh, thank you to Offuscate. That is O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E for our intro and outro music. Um, they're amazing. They're also for hire for making your podcast music or whatever music you'd like. They're amazing. They're talented. I worked with them before. I love them. You can find them on SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, yeah, under Offuscate. And thank you to the Moonshot Network for giving me the opportunity to do another season. I literally was like, am I allowed to do another season? Did I pass? And they're like, do we have enough manpower to do this? Am I allowed? Is there enough power in the moon's core for me to do this? They're like, yeah, we weren't going to question it. I'm like, for real? I didn't have to apply for this? (laughs) There's enough room in the moon budget. We can do this. You like me. really like me. (laughs) Once again, I was... Super happy to come on and have someone just let me talk about Kengan uninterrupted for an hour. Dude, I honestly, I've been fine. I've been trying to find an excuse to podcast with you for a long time. Like uh, you said that uh, like uh, Forgotten Era is is on a little bit of a hiatus. Hearts Against is on its own little hiatus. And so I'm just like, ah, that because that was going to be one of my routes to podcast with you. And so now it's like, finally, and I'm rubbing my grubby little hands together. I'm like, I get Theo on my podcast. (laughs) 
I'm super honored. I'll, and listen, I'm always willing to come back. I've, I, like I said, I don't have a huge nest of things that I think I'm the sole qualified person to talk about, but I do have some, and you bet your ass I'm going to have opinions. Mm-hmm. And also, we need to play uh, Jackbox games again. Oh, absolutely. It's, we need to play fucking Apex. Actually, no, I take that back, because I just uninstalled Apex, because <laughs> holy lord, it was ruining my play life. Play Fortnite with me. <laughs> uh, 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 listen, that, that, uh, that at least hasn't ruined my fucking life yet, so. <laughs> Let's go for it. Thank you for again for being on my show. I had an amazing time. Thank you for giving me this new serotonin. Listen, if I if I might sign us out here with Absolutely. some wise words from Kengan Ashra, as they say, this has truly been a Kengan match. Let's go. I don't know. Be safe. Don't die. And Badoo. that umemoshi baby chew it slowly done quit your fancy asmr dreaming and wake up what we're back who's back okashina podcast anime with friends of course oh never heard of it i have who Who are are you you? i'm victoria i'm joining okashina podcast as the third chair Nani? Would everyone stop screaming? Well, I'm glad you asked. Okashino Podcast Anime with Friends is a podcast in which two childhood besties, me, Sabrina, and you, Don, and you, Victoria, watch anime together and then discuss what we watch with restrained delight. That's three people. Mm, sounds boring. I'm going back to bed. You can't! You'll miss all the weird, wild, under-the-radar anime we cover. I never agreed to this. It's fun! Check us out on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Insert joke.